the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Hey folks, greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. We're at episode 358. I am Paul Spain and with me is... Damien O'Carroll. Greetings, Damien, the man Thank from oversteer.co.nz. Exactly, indeed. Um, remind us what, what else you do in this world of journalism and podcasting. Well, and I, I lurk around here occasionally and do the New Zealand Motoring Podcast. and um, Which is uh, a very good good listen, I might add, when, 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 we, when, we, when we do have episodes. Good it is always sporadic, I think, is how you made us <laughs> Thoroughly entertaining. <laughs> now, all the rest of the time, I, I spend my time um, pretending to be a motoring journalist, basically, on a freelance basis. I write for, for Fairfax, so stuff.co.nz, you'll you'll see my stuff, my stuff, uh, on there, and um, yeah, but of course, Oversteer is the only one you need to worry about, that's, yeah. <laughs> and how is, how is your own site going? How often are you, uh, you putting content up? Oh, on I there? try to get something up every day, but that's... Yeah. Uh, that varies. That varies. Okay. Sometimes a struggle. Good stuff. Well, lots of news to talk about this week. Uh, I finally got a chance to get my hands on the iPhone 8 and 8 Plus as they arrived sort of in between, well, while I was travelling in the last couple of weeks. I haven't uh, spent much time in my own bed, so um, that has created a few problems for getting hands on the the latest gadgets. so we'll talk about that. Uh, Nokia landed back in New Zealand uh, officially today, and they put on a very nice uh, little function yesterday for for a few uh, folks to get them familiar with the Nokia story and their new handsets, the Nokia eight six five and and three. There's also their refresh thirty three ten, which I've I've heard on the grapevine will will be relaunched into the New Zealand oh, market. Brilliant. <laughs> um, we want to talk a little bit about Spark and. How how they've taken on board some of the feedback that we've shared on the podcast and I'm sure others uh, elsewhere have been uh, feeding back in their direction as well. Uh, so that's nice when the when our you know, telcos are, are listening. Uh, Vodafone made some plan changes. I'm keen to hear from you around the Note 8, mm. uh, Samsung Note 8, because you picked one of those up uh, whilst we were uh, travelling um, a, week or, a week or ten days ago uh, about your experience there and what was the tipping point that made you uh, make the jump. That's and, a little sad, that story, uh, but anyway, that, carry on. That's a, it is an interesting <laughs> story. Um, a little bit about what we learnt in India uh, with Ford and Ted who put on the City of Tomorrow event yes. in New Delhi. Uh, that, w- that was fun. And Elon Musk and visits to Mars, rockets um, flying from one city on one side of the world to a city on anywhere else on the planet in sort of 30 to 60 minutes yeah. is, is, is an interesting one. The man does nothing to dispel my theory that he's a Bond villain. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you, you could well be right. Um, some are yet to be... Well, yes, some are very much on the, on the opposite angle to that at this stage, but <laughs> we'll give you some time to uh, uh, 
um, to convince us. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about um, Hawaii and their new um, submarine cable that's going to link New Zealand and Australia and the US. Uh, and a couple of other topics there as well. But I think that's a, enough of a preview. So let's jump in. Now, you've just been having a look at the um, the Nokia 8 or Nokia 8. Because it sort of it? Get, gets called um, both. And for the life of me, I can never remember which one is actually the uh, uh, <laughs> no. the correct. And, uh, and I'm trying to think from the event yesterday what, what their, uh, their staff were calling it. Um, hmm. I don't know. I think I always sort of. I think it's Nokia, right? I think so. I don't know, to be honest. I genuinely. <laughs> All right. I well, probably I probably veer between the two myself. Yeah. So. so please forgive me, everybody, if you prefer to call it the other name, and I'm wrong. Um, but you know, it's always good to know that you uh, one up me, um, and I'm sure many of you do most days of the week in one form or another. <laughs> now let's talk about. Um, the the brand for starters. Now I got a little bit confused as to what was going on. You know, Nokia uh, Nokia uh, sold their their uh, brand, or they did a license deal with Microsoft, and Microsoft yeah. took over the handset division. And then I had understood that there was a, a licensing or a, there was a deal going on where the handsets, the low-end handsets were moving in one direction and then Microsoft were keeping making uh, the smartphones. Right. But then they you know, fairly quickly dropped the, you know, from them being the Nokia Lumia, That's they just right. became the Lumia brand. It's okay. So Microsoft really don't want to keep that, that brand, even though it's got such a lot of recognition mm. and... You know, which just, seemed a very odd thing all, to all, do. All, I, I all very strange. Yeah. So, you know, some change of strategy there within Microsoft as part of a new new leadership that maybe hadn't really bought into the concept of Microsoft uh, building their own their own phones in in this way. <laughs> And, of course, now they seem to have really got out of that to a pretty big degree. There's still a few of the handsets that are yeah, uh, that are sold in, in a few places. Uh, but we, st- we are starting to see... I started to see there, there are a few other manufacturers that are making some very specific Microsoft uh, Windows-based phones right. for particular uh, situations, like HP with their X3, which is a Windows 10-based phone. Uh, that you can hook in keyboard, mouse, big screen, and run you know, certain right. certain Microsoft type apps like Microsoft Office, of course. Now that Samsung have, have come to the market yes. with their offering on Android, it actually does a very yes. uh, a yeah. very very similar thing in in most uh, regards, and it's fair to say performance wise. Uh, it it one ups what uh, yeah the the Windows offerings um, do so mm. interesting all the same but uh, but let's talk about uh, Nokia the Nokia um, brand is, behind the scenes is a company called HMD Global. Right. Now I ask them why have you got HMD Global? Why are you confusing us? Oh, well, the public won't know about that brand. That's the behind the scenes the company that. That owns it. Yeah, okay. Um, So we can sort of put them aside, but I think the interesting part of the story is is that they are in Finland, and so uh, you know when 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 we look at uh, when we look at the you know the brand and um, 
and and the roots of uh, Nokia. Um, you know, I guess it it goes back to um, Nokia being this this Finnish company that's been around for yeah, well over a hundred years and. You know, smartphones, I guess, uh, you know, really became and and telecommunications, you know, very much became what what made them a you know yep. a big successful company. Um, but the yeah the the behind the scenes is that some of the key executives um, and and you know people that have been involved with Nokia for a long time weren't. You know, very pleased with sort of the the direction and the brand kind of going nowhere, and they set up a new company, and so the Nokia that we know now actually has its as its roots back in the original company right. with a lot of the original okay, um, people, and they've basically worked out varying partnerships. Obviously, you know, partnership with with Google for Android, yeah, and and it's very much a sort of a stock Android rather than yes. one with all sorts of yeah. you know nastiness on <laughs> on on top and things to <laughs> yeah. slow it down. Um, and by keep keeping it as sort of a. a um, a, basically, a, a stock Android or, or very close to it uh, means they're able to get the security updates out very quickly. Yes. Um, they're talking about the actual full operating system updates uh, that they'll commit to any any new phone they launch. It's going to have two years worth of updates, okay. which is is very interesting because that was it something is. that Microsoft were previously <laughs> committing to. And I think that the the, uh, the Lumia handsets it was that thing you buy a handset and and we will have uh, we'll have updates, updates to it for two uh, for yeah. two years. So they're, they're launching with Android seven point one point one, but Android eight will be available in the in the not too distant future. And I know we've heard these sort of promises from from others, but they seem to be pretty committed to it. And in fact, when I turned on the um, the Android uh, Android the Nokia eight, uh, it was already saying, "Hey, there's an update for this handset." And in fact, one of the one of their uh, team told me that. The uh, one of one of the handsets that they uh, they they launched actually bet uh, Google's Pixels a uh, Google Google Pixel to um, uh, to the monthly update uh, <laughs> last month I think it was really? so oh, um, so that yeah they they seem uh, yeah pretty committed yeah. to uh, to keeping these things secure and and up to date and having uh, regular updates so uh, that's certainly something that I think. There'll be two areas of people. One, you know, you're real tech enthusiasts that just actually always want to be on the latest. Yep. And a Pixel, you know, Google Pixel has been the best phone to, to keep your Android Absolutely. phone up to date. Yep. Uh, and then there's businesses who they actually want their devices to be as secure as possible. Um, but you can't always keep you – know, if you're on iOS – uh, then look, yeah, that's that's all controlled, and you're going to get, yeah, you can guarantee your your updates. Yeah, uh, there was a little bit of a level of of expectation around the the Microsoft phones, but of course they're they're few and far between now. Um, so most organisations are are um, you know tending now to to lean to an Android or or 
or iOS uh, device. So, you know, as far as um, iOS devices, I think where Nokia going here is quite interesting because they've got machines, uh, machines, handsets from a uh, $249 price point, which is the uh, uh, Nokia 3. Uh, they've got the Nokia 5 at 349 Nokia 6 at 399 and then the Nokia 8 at 999 um, so they're hitting a whole lot of price points yeah, and they look to be pretty good bang for buck. Absolutely. Um, what's your feel just holding it? Well, I was asking you before, what do you, what do you think it's made out yeah, well, of? You would, you would swear touching it it's made out of glass. It just feels glass on the back. Um, very, very smooth. Very incredible. In fact, I noticed. But cool. Yeah. Yep. So it's clearly not plastic. So it's got to be glass or metal. Uh, but. Yeah, like I say, to the touch, I would swear glass, but you told me otherwise. Yeah, so what they told us was it it's goes through a, a machining process and a polishing process, and it goes through that five times. And, yeah, it, it's it's a really just a smooth feel to it. But, yeah, Beautiful. it's got that coolness yeah, it's got a really of, sort of gla- glass. I've noticed a slight, a slight flaw to it, though. You'll notice I've said it sitting on my leg, and it yes. slides off and constantly. It's like, yeah, it's yeah, very got, slippery. Yeah, but it's not so slippery when it's in your hand. No, it's fine though, in right? your hand. I feel, yeah, yeah but feels, you put it on but fabric. Put it on fabric, and, and it's uh, just constantly moving. But I mean, yeah. first thing most people do is put a case on it, so it doesn't um, really matter how pretty your phone is. It does show up the fingerprints. It does. It's fair, fair to say that they're yes. they're very obvious on on yep. such a. Um, they do a, seem to a, wipe a off quite easily, though. So it's not like yeah, you know, but yeah. I like to say. First so, thing most people do is slap a case on anyway, so it doesn't really matter how pretty your phone is. Yeah. <laughs> that's, well, that, that, yeah, and that's one of the things, isn't it? I think we're still, most of us are on that point. So what I was, I guess the question that I was saying to the, the, the Nokia uh, folks is, well, well, how tough is it? You know, yeah. Can, can, can it take you, it? You know, can it take more of a beating than yep. any other smartphone? Now, they're saying, look, we've built really solid, strong smartphones, but of yep. course, if it small, falls on the front, yeah. um, you've got a pretty yeah, good chance you're going you go. yeah. to smash that screen, I, w- I would imagine. Um, Gorilla Glass, though, so, you know, it, mm. it, it, you know it, it's like other phones in that it's it's going to be, it's reasonably tough yep. glass, but, you know, so, so drop it on the floor, we're carpeted in here, you're it's probably fine. in a reasonably good state, but you drop it in the car park on the concrete, and you've got a reasonable risk depending on how it lands of something happening. Yeah. Um, but with that 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 um, steel case, and they mentioned that these these steel machined cases aren't just on the thousand dollar model, but they've actually taken that approach well, we right are. down to the two hundred forty nine dollar handset. Incredibly um, impressive. So I imagine those are going to be reasonably uh, reasonably popular. Mm. Now, um, pretty good specs. I think I have four gigs of RAM in it, which is is pretty chunky, more than uh, what Samsung. Are yeah. tending to put in their phones, or what Apple are putting Absolutely. in their phones. Uh, I think Snapdragon eight three five, so uh, quite a okay. bit of grunt. Um, you know, seem to be really nice cameras and so on. I've only just had a little bit of time with it with it yesterday at their um, their launch event, and um, yeah, admittedly I was a little bit tired having just come in on a flight <laughs> yesterday morning. Um, but yeah, look, you could play around with it. So far, seem seems nice. It feels it feels really well made. Like it feels solid. It yeah. feels like it's a it's a yeah, it's a really quality device. So I think that's key for their brand. If they don't Absolutely. make something that's make really something good and good. really solid, yeah. then their reputation is going to go out the window yeah. pretty quickly. Um, yeah. Now, the other bit was they've um, uh, who else have they partnered with um, from a from a manufacturing uh, standpoint uh, Foxconn so all their uh, all their okay. productions going through Foxconn 
who make a pretty large percentage of the phones on the, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the planet already. So, yeah, that makes uh, makes a bit of sense. Yeah, they know what they're well. doing, so yeah. stick with them. Um, so I think there'll be a bit of t- cut through here just because it's a, a, every, probably virtually anyone you know has had a, yeah. had a Nokia <laughs> yeah. phone at, uh, at, at, at some point. Well, I mean, my mother only just gave hers up about a couple of years back when I forced her into an iPhone. Right. So there you go. And I've, yeah. The name is just... Everyone knows it, yeah. So that's got to be a massive advantage for yeah. them, and it's got that rec- that recollection of being strong, and tough. Now, yep. there's that talk of releasing the thirty three ten here in in New Zealand. Now, what I are and this now the Nokia's are being launched exclusively with Spark. Okay, um, so there'll be some reasons behind that, but basically, you can walk into a retailer. Buy one and put any other sim okay, in it. So they're not. So it, it's okay. you know it's that, it's a partnership, but it does, doesn't exclude exclusive. anyone. They're not locked. Oh, that's cool. Um, but I I asked Spark because we had this discussion a few weeks ago. I, I I think it was here on the podcast around the new Apple Watch not uh, being re- launched here with a SIM card, right. and none of the networks are, are geared up for this idea of having a secondary SIM yep. that still receives your texts and your calls. And you know, there was a little bit of an explanation of, oh, you know, we haven't been told exactly what the requirements are to achieve it or something rather. Um, there, were, there was some commentary from Spark, and I'd love someone to, to, to give me uh, a little bit more a little bit more on that or something written that I can go through in a little bit more detail uh, to really understand it. Um, but I sort of thought, ooh, a 3310, that is, that is a phone I would use in a little bit of a similar way as I would use an Apple Watch with a SIM to leave my phone behind, behind so that I back. don't have to receive emails and notifications and it's just like when I want, you want to have that little bit of time yep. out but you are still contactable for an emergency yep. um, so you know it might be look you know, babysitters at home uh, out on a date and you just you know you don't want beeping yep. and buzzing and any sort of distraction or oh yeah, yeah. next you know any any sort of uh, things you just go to the movies. There's there's all sorts of scenarios yes, where absolutely you just you just don't need all all the things of your smartphone. Now of course um, those amongst the discipline have worked out how to find the flight mode and all all those <laughs> yeah, sort of options on their phone. But um, the temptation it does still seem left, to be becoming more more and more common to actually want to just unplug yeah. entirely. And um, I was told yesterday of a story of uh, someone, a family holidaying in New Zealand, yeah. and the 13-year-old had decided, I'm going to leave my smartphone at home in Australia uh, and not bring it to New Zealand. That seems very unlikely for a 13-year-old. Oh, yeah, I like- was pretty shocked, right? It's <laughs> like, well, this is a smart, mature kid. Yeah. It's like, no, we're going on family holiday, have family time. <laughs> turned out they spent a bit of time on Parents, you know, device, um, but um, but I thought that was very uh, very sharp. And you know, we need to, we sometimes need to disconnect a little bit from um, you know from systems. And so, I I would like to think our networks uh, putting the challenge out there. <laughs> there you go, Spark, Vodafone, two degrees. Who's going to be first to? Um, Give us that option of Absolutely. a SIM card that can receive text messages Absolutely. and calls simultaneously on a secondary SIM secondary or, or an eSIM yep. like like Apple um, have. I would absolutely love to uh, love to see that. Um, get, it be great. get it done. Be get fantastic. it done. Get it done. Got a fortnight. Yep. Um, well, I'm not des- 
desperately love to buy one of those, you know, Nokia's. I mean, yeah. any excuse. Yeah. And that would give me the ability it gives to you justify an ex- it. excuse so, to do it, right? It's like, yeah, oh, yeah, that'll be, that'll be the phone that I take out in those sort of scenarios. Yeah. I yeah. may never do it, but it would be enough to get me there. To get you to buy the phone. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think good, good, good to see uh, Nokia back in the country. And it was I good to hear it. a little bit more of their yeah. story. Uh, at some stage, maybe we'll... Uh, We'll have one of their one of their folks on on a on a podcast and get a little bit more uh, insight into that. But yes, I you know, I think um, look good to see now iPhone eight and eight plus, and of course we've got the new Apple TV four K one. There's a new Apple Watch, which yes. um, you know I've made enough noise about us not having the eSIM version here <laughs> uh, here yet. So let, let's hope that can be resolved. Um, I haven't had a chance to sort of really jump in uh, too deep with the 8 and the 8 uh, Plus just yet because I've only, uh, well, I've had about 24 hours or so to uh, uh, to play with the 8. I've got to say I'm really appreciating having wireless charging yeah. on iPhone. I've got used to it across you know a bunch of other devices and it was great just yesterday morning, got the iPhone set up. Oh, one of the other things was um, I fired up the new iPhone and it recognised my existing iPhone was nearby and then offered, offered to, to basically push, push things across. That's cool. Still went back to my uh, iCloud backup, uh, but it, it seemed to be a much faster process than previous, uh, previous ones. Okay. And so I think that, you know, Apple always working on a bunch of things behind the scenes, and that yep. was one that I hadn't, you know, really yeah, heard anything about, yeah. or I'd missed it in, um, you know, in the communications. But that was a very nice, slick process yeah. um, to, to just organize that transition from one, one device to another. Very, very slick. Uh, and it seemed to be the quickest restore of my apps that I've ever, ever seen. Okay. Uh, and I have a lot of stuff. I've got you know two fifty six gig <laughs> yeah, iPhone. That's, I'm the same. Um, yeah, just you know, chock full of you, stuff. Usually <laughs> between eighty and a hundred percent full. Um, you know, yeah, a lot, a lot of stuff on there, <laughs> yeah. and and yeah, went went it went pretty slick. Uh, but that wireless charger for me just stood out because I've got a wireless charger on my desk. So anytime around the office, you just check that's, it where, the desk, that's where that's where it there. sits, yeah. and so it's keeping most mostly charged most most of the time. Um, the one I had at home, which is actually an, an old uh, uh, Nokia one or Lumia one, has just died. So I'll have to get another <laughs> wireless charger uh, at at home. But that now works with um, you know a good number of my of my favourite handsets that that I'm using day to day. It yeah. certainly works across the Samsung and Apple product. Well, you see that that actually does surprise me a little bit that Apple have gone with an existing standard for wireless charging rather than go their own route, which they are generally a fan of doing, um, which is a great thing. I mean, it, it's, yeah, you know, you're going to have this pad that you can chuck all your devices on, oh, and yeah, it's increasingly it's going that way. Yeah. I mean, even uh, steering back to 
uh, area I'm more familiar in, uh, BMW have announced that they'll be making available a wireless charging pad for their cars soon. Yeah, because we have had that in the past, and even Toyota have done it. Oh, in and the I'm, past, not, I'm not, not talking not about charging your phone in the car. I'm talking about wireless charging pad for the car. Oh, that's right. That's, sorry, yes, I completely missed that because I did see that announcement a couple yeah. of weeks ago. Yeah. It was but just yes, yeah, but in I terms was, of wireless charging for phones inside cars, it's increasingly yes. common. I've got a, a Hyundai Ionic at the moment. Yeah. that's got a, a beautiful little slot for wirelessly charging your phone yep. in. Yeah, well, um, pa- I think Power by Proxy have, have um, who are a New Zealand company that have yes. you know done done some really innovative work. Uh, I think they get, they've founded out of Auckland University. Um, you know, some pretty impressive yeah. cutting edge work. A lot of their work went into the uh, the wireless charging standard that we have in standards that we have in phones oh, really? today. Okay. I didn't know that. Uh, and yeah, car charging was one of those things that they were talking about years ago. So yeah, yeah I think you know very cool to see BMW making an announcement in in that space. Yeah, and cool. it's I mean, it's just great to see the competitive playing field in in the car world uh, right now. I think it's no, it's, all, it's good. Yeah. There's, there's a it's all on there's at kind the moment, of a, a, a good <laughs> amount of um, pace, shall we say? Indeed, that probably yes. we didn't we didn't see qu- in quite the same way in years gone by. No, not at all. Not mm. at all. It's definitely um, out the pace. So, yeah, I'll have to come back and talk a little bit more about iPhone 8 and 8 Plus uh, uh, future. I haven't really had a chance to play with some of the augmented reality stuff, um, mm. although that looks pretty cool. It does look pretty cool. Um, and one of the other things I didn't, I didn't realise, just, just flipping away from um, Apple for a minute, is for those with Microsoft Surface Book, um, those have a camera in them, which is like the, the Kinect uh, type you know, oh, camera, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, and yeah. those do a sort of a room scan, and, and similar to the Hololens type camera, yeah, and and again similar to the iPhone, but you know, a much bigger um, device that allow you to do the augmented reality stuff and drop really? stuff into a room, which I hadn't realised. Yeah, Donna Saka, when I was with her at the Microsoft event uh, last week, was uh, was was chatting through her around that. I was like. Ah. Mm. Uh, I hadn't realised it was specific to the um, the Surface Book and right. not not in their uh, in their other products. Their other but yeah. Apple's done this in the phone, and boy, they, you know they've really actually packed a lot in to these new phones. They do seem to have. Uh, there's that talk of a new design, um, but. In essence, if you've got a case on your phone, you're probably not going to see no. that glass back, and the glass back course being being a key to enable wireless charging. Yes, uh, and some people are a little bit worried. Well, does it make the phone more fragile? Um, of course, Apple have, have used as strong a glass as they can, but yeah, yeah there's there's, oh, a, I think there's it just does increase the risk. Whichever yeah. side it lands on, if yeah. you don't have a case and it's onto concrete, then hey, your, your chances aren't good. No, uh, well, I mean, I, I had an Apple um, iPhone 7 Plus yeah. with a glass screen protector case, everything, dropped it, it just fell at the perfect angle, at the perfect, you know, perfectly wrong, I suppose, direction and angle and cracked the screen. Damien, you klutz, you should be ashamed of yourself. That's the first time I've ever <laughs> broken a phone screen and it, it, it just destroyed me. I just, uh, it, yeah, no, it's, it's not a, no, it's was not not a nice thing. And every time I use my phone after that... <laughs> uh, well, I I certainly fall into the camp that um, you know somehow doesn't manage to hold on to my phone all the time, and you know sometimes it just ends up somewhere else. Um, you know, I don't I don't know why that is. Why you would drop such a valuable thing? That said, we've seen people dropping 
all sorts of other technology gadgets oh, yeah. as well, but uh, phones are notoriously fragile they unless they've got a good case on them. Yep. I, I can give you a, a flip side story. I dropped iPhone 7 from around four meters <laughs> with just its the, the, the Apple sort of leather, leather yeah, cover yeah. on it. Uh, and it landed on the corner of the phone, the curved corner, and the big sort of chunk mm-hmm. dent in the the leather stuff. But the phone was totally, totally fine. fine. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, look, fine. I've got I've got multiple stories of the same thing happening many many times before. This one was just like I say, the exact wrong angle and wrong direction. It just it yeah. caught it, and that was the yeah. end of it. But I mean, I've got like like current iPad sitting here has got dings and scrapes all over it where it's plummeted off benches and, and things and it's never been an issue so I yeah. certainly don't blame Apple for that one. No. It was no. just a fluke but it really did destroy my enjoyment of the phone after that. I just Understandable. <laughs> now on to, um, on to a little bit of little local stuff. What's happening with uh, plans? Well we had uh, Spark of course uh, well, it started with two degrees earlier on the year, launching an unlimited mobile plan, unlimited calls, texts, and data. Yeah. Wow, awesome. The only limitation was no tethering. Uh, Spark matched them with a very similar offering in the market. Uh, then just a few weeks ago, Spark said, look, we're actually going to offer this thing at 80 bucks, or just under $80 uh, for an unlimited mobile plan. Yeah. Obviously, they did some numbers and decided that this was this was going to be a good a good move for them. And also, you know, price leading. Yeah. So that's a good way to uh, to attract uh, customers. And that was good, but some people were a little bit miffed around. Well, what about what about tethering? And I think we yeah. talked about it on the podcast here, and and suggested, well, you know, couldn't they do something like a an add on that would give you, say, you know, ten gigs that you could that you, you can could tether. tether. Yeah. And you know the networks have, have have said, look, we're able to track what's tethered and what's un, 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 untethered in terms of communications. <laughs> um, so look, why don't you give us that peace of mind that we can, you know, we can do that? And you know, I guess you quietly hope. Well, if they're going to do that, it's going to be free. Well, <laughs> um, Spark have come to the come to the market, free or not too expensive. No, they've yeah. come to the market, and uh, Jason Paris announced on uh, on Twitter uh, a few a few days ago. Uh, look, there'll be a 10 gig add-on for tethering for $10. Very reasonable, I, I think. think. So, yeah. um, now, I've also heard, and I'm not sure if this one's uh, entirely public yet or whether it, it's actually going to go ahead. So I'll say I've heard that there will also be a 1 gig add-on for a dollar. Which... So if you just need to do seems, a little tiny bit of tethering, yeah. you don't do and much, I, but from time I would to time... dare say that most people... It would just be an occasional, just be, be an occasional yeah. thing. So, like a, a, a dollar tether, and That's and and maybe they'll good. let you do that a couple of times. Yeah. Um. So, oh, I went through my one gig. Probably won't need ten. Maybe they'll let you buy another one. Yeah. Something like that seems like a good uh, good approach to me. Yeah, if they would do that, uh, I've seen a few people, you know, commenting along. Like, oh, well, it's an unlimited plan. It, you know, all that should be included. But I think it's fair enough to uh, yeah. to have a little bit of differentiation. And hey, look, if you can if you can drop a dollar and get enough to get that little bit of work uh, done or whatever it is you yeah, need to do tethering in, a, in that sort of scenario, that's good. And if you need a bit more, then ten gigs for uh, yeah. ten dollars is is quite reasonable too. I think so. 
Um, Vodafone came to the market, um, and this is probably going back maybe a couple of weeks, but with, with me traveling and so on, haven't really had a, a, a local episode to chat about it. Uh, they've refreshed some of their plans. And, you know, of course, a lot of people are really tied back to Vodafone for, for varying reasons, often that they roam a lot, and they just love the absolute simplicity of the $5 a that's, day roaming. That's exactly why I stick with Vodafone. Yeah, well, I was, I was talking to Spark about this, yeah. uh, one of the chaps from Spark yesterday, and said, look, happy to try out one of your SIM cards, maybe for a month or two. Uh, I'd love just to just have my main SIM on an unlimited plan and, and just see how... How that changes my habits, and hopefully it doesn't ruin me. So I <laughs> have to go on back. a little plan forever. <laughs> um, but you know what I said to him: the the nice thing about travelling was I did not have to you think about you don't think my about data it. usage yep. or anything. I could call home. Yes. I can call the office. They can call me. I can use data. Don't have to think too much about it. And I do to keep a US SIM card as well uh, on AT and T. That's it's tied up to my Google Voice number that I have in the US. Uh, and and that works well also. And I tend to run a couple of phones when I'm at an event and travelling. Yeah. Use through a lot of power, and it's just nice to be able to do tethering and bits and pieces. So that worked pretty well. But yeah, you know, it's it was so nice just not having to think at all about yeah. my usage. Um, Spark, of course, have, have come in with some um, some better roaming offerings recently, uh, but you still have to keep you, know, you get you a little, little bit of a watch think, to yeah. be using up the, the, the calls or the data exactly. or whatever on that. Yeah. So um, the less thinking I have to do, the, yeah. the better. I'm all down for having to think very little when I'm, especially when yes. I'm travelling. Um, so yeah, if I don't have to go, oh god, god, how much of, you know, how much have I used? Am I going to yeah. go over yeah. and yeah. So simplicity, simplicity is good, uh, and that's something two degrees, of course, have um, delivered on recently with this opportunity uh, with some of their uh, plans now just to go to Australia and to take your usage with you, and I think you can spend up right. to three months a year in Australia, uh, something like that, around 60 to 90 days, uh, okay. and you just take with you whatever your New Zealand plan no, is, no $5 a day, no extra okay. costs for uh, for that roaming. That's uh, so that's very a very smart yeah. smart move on, on two degrees front. And, and and again, I mean, probably the vast majority of people who do, you know, travel in New Zealand, it will be to Australia. It's, um, it's, a, well, it's a pretty high percentage of yeah, travel, but there's be. lots of us who go further there afield. There are lots of us who go further as, afield, but as well, not so. quite as bad as, as the two of us, but... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's possibly possibly true. Um, somebody the other day was when I was in the states. Oh, Paul, you travel all the time. We're always seeing you here, and, and it was true. I was only there sort of you know four or five weeks um, before, but that's not quite normal for me. Um, but you know, anyway. Um, other topics. I wanted to chat to you about the Note 8. Yes. Um, I only had a small amount of time with it, and I've got another one coming back in this direction. Uh, I think maybe today uh, from Samsung to get a little bit more time with it, uh, amongst the other devices no, other that I'm using, got, like yeah. the, the, um, the, the, the iPhone um, 8 and 8 Plus, uh, Nokia and, and, and whatnot. So I, but I am looking forward to getting a bit more time with it. Tell us, I want you to admit to our listeners what you admitted to me, what was the tipping point to get you onto the Samsung Note 8, well, to Damien be, O'Carroll? To be fair, I was, I was 
wandering backwards and forwards for some time. Uh, we had almost had convinced. Yes, I, I'd almost convinced myself I wanted to, and then I'd yeah. swing back from it. But then I realised I, I read somewhere that you you can get an Alcantara case for it, and that sold me straight away. That was it. So what? <laughs> so Alcantara, Alcantara. What, what is so special about it? I mean, we heard about Microsoft having this. Alcantara yes. sort of cover or um, and well, instead of steel or plastic or whatever on the um, Microsoft Surface laptop, which yeah, happens to be what I'm using today. Um, and it, I mean, their usage of it is it's not a it's not furry at all. It, it's it's no. very smooth and it just seems like you know sort of fabric, but. Really, in a lot of cases, it's much more of a suede it type, yeah. um, suede type, an artificial suede. It's an artificial right? suede, yeah. And it was, um, oh, it's got some long scientific backstory developed by an engineer and so on and so forth, but it's mainly used in um, high-end vehicle interiors. High-end vehicle. So what are the brands that are using this? How high-end oh, are, we, are we talking about? Like Mercedes, BMW, Lamborghini, Maserati, um, what Is else? It, We've got ja- Aston What about Martin. James Bond? Yeah, okay. yeah Aston, Aston, McLaren, okay. all, all the high-end stuff. It's, it's starting to sort of trickle down through a few others now. Right. But, um, so, and I had a look at the case on your note, and that was the first thing that jumped out at yeah. me was, oh, <laughs> that's a very, <laughs> that's a very nice case. Um, I haven't seen one quite like it before. No, well, apparently they do do it for the S8 and S8 Plus as well. I okay. didn't realise that. I, I then bought the Sam- note. Samsung. Samsung. You're doing, yep. <laughs> um, but no, apparently it's it's stain resistant and it's um, wear resistant. And I have to admit, I mean, I've had the thing for a couple of weeks now, and I certainly haven't been. Have you tried some food colouring on it? Not quite, not quite. But I certainly haven't been, you know, avoiding putting it down places where I'd normally put it. And it looks perfectly new. Mm. Um, and I know from experience in cars, I mean, they use it on Formula One racing seats it's, it's, and things like that. So it's it's fire retardant. It's incredibly hard wearing. And it, it, it just feels really nice. It's got a very luxurious texture to it. Can you throw your phone it. across the room? Have you tried that with it I yet? don't know, probably. I dare say it'll happen one day. I'd have a, you know... <laughs> A tendency to flick them across the room by mistake, but nice. Um, and, yeah, so and that, that is what tipped me into that, the that notation. Tipped you into it, but what, what's your <laughs> what's your favourite thing about it? Considering you've got a metal plate at the back, so you can't wireless charge it. Because you got one of those magnetic plates have, for uh, magnetic sticking mount, it to, to your magnetic to, mount. I had to toss up what was more important to me: wireless <laughs> charging or um, the magnetic mount. And to yep. be fair, um, most of the cars I drive come with Android Auto. Nowadays, so the phone is always plugged in when it's in the car. So my phone stays charged. Even though you can do Android Auto wirelessly now, uh, in select some, some, cars, in some, in some most, vehicles, yeah. BMW is, offer yeah. uh, Apple CarPlay wirelessly. I believe they're the only one actually in New Zealand at the moment to do that. Okay, so yeah. but I, I do the same with a vehicle, yeah. you know, renting or otherwise. I, you know, I'll generally plug it in in the car. And that'll hook into your, your car player, yep. your Android Auto. Yep. Or even just using and, it as an iPod or an MP3 and it, and player. It, and, and it charges, yeah. right? So. so I'm into that habit. So the wireless charging thing wasn't quite so important to me. Um, we'll see how I go on that. I, I do tend to waver. But um, I'm, I'm loving it so far. Like I say, I had an iPhone. I had the 7. I couldn't fall in love with it. It was my first iPhone. I've had Apple products for years. I've got iPads. I absolutely love my iPad. But the phone just... I never clicked with it. 
because um, I've always had Samsung phones. But yeah, Galaxies. well, you've been using Android yeah, always, ever since I can remember yeah, anyway for a yeah. you know, good, good few years. Yep. And it's just the, I think I, I've, from the phone, the big, one of the big things that I always found a, a drawback with the iPhone was it's Apple's utter refusal to let you read a USB stick off it. Whereas, you know, Android with USB on the go, all that sort of thing, you just plug it in. And again, with my job, um, we're given press kits on USB sticks with all the photos on it and the ability just to have a, a look at the stick while you're on the launch at the event. Look at what's there, flick through, yeah, really handy. It's yeah. incredibly handy. So that was one of the big reasons I switched back. Um, Is that, I wonder if that's changed with um, iOS 11 where we now get, um, you know, you now get access to a, to a file system. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, you've che- you've that was che- what I was waiting for. I was for waiting. Us. I was like, and yeah, I even signed up to the beta program to try it out before. Okay, <laughs> okay. So and that's that did, pretty. Yeah. That's pretty key for you. Quite, quite possibly, if they had done that, I may well have just persisted with the iPhone. Mm. Um, the breaking of the screen was limiting its days anyway, because as soon as I picked it up, it was like I don't like this phone anymore. Mm. Mm. Uh, but anyway, no. <laughs> Well, there, there, uh, there, we, there we go. Um, um, no, well, so from the experience so far, I'm really enjoying. I'm loving being back with Android, but just the Note Eight experience. The screen is just staggering. Um, the camera is fantastic, uh, so I'm really very happy with it so far. That's good. That's good. Well, uh, it seems to be seems to be selling well, yeah. and we, yeah, we've kind of uh, yeah land, landed in this place where. Apple fans are always looking for the new Apple phones. Samsung fans are looking for what's new from Samsung. Uh, there's obviously a bunch of other brands which you know are doing good stuff, but they you know they don't tend to attract as much attention yeah. as Samsung, who don't attend, attract as much attention as Apple. Um, but yeah, it's fair to say you know both of those brands are are, are doing incredibly well in mm. terms of uh, offerings on the on the given given platforms. Yeah, and absolutely. the Note Eight is is really a pretty unique uh, offering in terms of its screen and the stylus and well, all all the other things we we you know we've got used to with the recent Samsung yes. phones with the wireless uh, charging as well and the water and dust proof you know which Apple. Yeah. Apple Apple do as well. I mean, there's, there's certainly the similarities between the brands. Oh, but, absolutely. They, um, yeah. Of course, Apple have this sort of control because they're they're doing everything and yeah. you know making their own chips. Yeah. Um, which you know, Sam, Samsung's you know done a chunk of uh, as well. So they both got you know quite a lot of control, but uh, Apple certainly like to you know play on the fact that they make the hardware and the software yeah N- not that they actually yeah. manufacture them themselves yeah. but that's that's another story that yeah. it's designed them yeah no look i mean like i say uh, for some reason my usage on a tablet suits the the apple setup and design perfectly i love the ipad and i have no plans to switch from one uh, but for some reason my usage of a phone i found frustrating found the mm. iphone just too restrictive and frustrating so it don't know why. Don't know mm. the underlying reasons for that, but it must be just the way I use them. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Um, now, yeah. the Hawaii cable. Yeah. Now, this is something we've heard we little bits and pieces about and it just keeps, keeps moving closer and closer. Um, and, yeah, it's been, uh, been in news again. I was looking at uh, a photo that was shared... Um, 
just in the last uh, probably you know twenty four hours, which is their uh, their landing um, station at um, uh, Bream Tail Farm. So they're putting up uh, uh, image. They're sharing imagery now of um, um, the this uh, landing station in Northland. Uh, it's going to be a fourteen thousand kilometer long, um, you know, fiber optic uh, connection hooks us up with uh, Pacific Islands up to uh, up to the US. Uh, I think, uh, if I remember correctly, it lands in uh, something like Portland uh, in in the US, goes across to uh, to Australia as well. Um, but it, yeah, it's a little bit uh, different in terms of a connection here, uh, where it hits uh, Mang- Mango. Uh, uh, Mangafai heads, and um, it's supposed to be running. You know, maybe as as soon as uh, June um, or July next year. Really? Um, so you know that that work's going on. They've constructed uh, the full fourteen thousand kilometres of cable. I think that was being hand laid into the ship uh, and I've been on board one of those ships as one of our episodes where I, where I share a, a little bit uh, about being on, on board one of the one of one of the ships the cable lane ships uh, the two ships that are going to be uh, going to be doing um, this this work and yeah it's I think it's really exciting for New Zealand that we'll, we'll have you know this extra connection that does you know we've already got an extra connection with with Australia um, but you know this being a, a a full extra connection that lands in a slightly different part um, of the country uh, still at the top end of the country nothing you know directly to the South Island but you know there's some some logic. Uh, to that, but a bit more redundancy, so we're a little bit safer as a country from being Absolutely. cut off from uh, the outside world, which probably have some fairly negative consequences. Um, but you know, also it'd be quite, it would be um, um, there. There could be some positive consequences as well. But I think, <laughs> I think, I think, in most regards, this would not be good for our economy no, to get, not the uh, best get no. cut off. Might you know, might be might be nice to have a day offline or something, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, there are certain aspects of the country where that that wouldn't wouldn't work so well, no, no. Uh, reputationally and so on. So, um, so this stuff looks pretty good. Um, um, I, I've had a little um, um, interaction um, with the CEO, and and you know he has. Uh, you know, mentioned he'd like to come on the on the uh, on the podcast at some stage. So, hopefully, at some stage, we will find the right timing to to make that fit. Yeah, we're absolutely. both in the same place at at the same time. Uh, because I'd certainly like like to hear uh, a little bit more about yeah. it, and um, um, you know what his his thoughts are on on you know really really what it brings there's also some opportunities around with the pacific islands and there was some talk uh last year of a deal whereby the uh, hawaii cable um would have some strands going out uh, possibly as far as uh, Rarotonga, the Cook Islands, really? uh, wow. but that seems to have fallen through and working on something sort of slightly different at, at the moment. Um, so yeah, I'll be curious to see how how all these things uh, come together. But it does seem as though the, the Cook Islands uh, do have something coming into play that is going to get them uh, fibre. Uh, and those those sort of locations, we've got a small population. It's very hard to justify spending a hundred million. Uh, dollars on the, on a link up, you know, when your population is uh, 
you know, in the low tens of thousands. Um, but yeah, realistically, these these days, I think people have have pretty high expectations of communications, and it does really limit business from uh, uh, you know to a to a fair degree. Um, yeah. Where where people can't can't get a chunk of bandwidth. That's it. Yeah, a lot of people survive quite well with um, with smaller bits of bits of bandwidth, but I think it brings some pretty negative consequences with it from a productivity and <laughs> yeah. a capability perspective. Um, so yeah, really good to see that uh, moving ahead, and certainly looking forward to having that uh, come online um, next year. Oh, that's pretty cool. Now, oh, the new chip in the. Um, the iPhone 8 and, and 8 Plus uh, is called the A11 Bionic chip. And I was just looking at the, the news that uh, was released uh, weeks, if not you know, a couple of months ago, around uh, the, new, um, the new Fitbit smartwatch, which is, um, is just the process getting launched now. And guess what? It's called the Ionic. And what was it that you were driving the other yeah, well, day? Well, I just drove here tonight in a um, pure electric Hyundai Ionic, oh, spelled with a Q. So that seems to be the new I. Okay. It used to be I right. something now, so it's obviously variations of Ionic or Bionic. Or, I don't know. Very, very interesting. <laughs> okay. Um, so that's that's coming out. We'll talk about that. Um, I think I'll be getting hands on that this, uh, this week. So um, now somebody yesterday hit me up and they said, Paul, I'm looking forward to when you're going to say positive things about wearables on the podcast. Um, and he was looking at me as I wasn't wearing a wearable and he had his Apple Watch on. And I said, well, actually, most days I actually wear the Apple Watch and I do like wearing a watch. And my favourite thing about a wearable uh, is, you know, the good ones. They look good. They feel nice to wear, and they give you the exact perfect time. Yes, um, absolutely. The downside is some of them need to um, need to be charged, maybe almost as much as your smartphone. And then there's all sorts of little little added bits and pieces you can do. Like paying for things, and yep. I've had a few instances recently where uh, where that's actually come in come in handy. Uh, where I haven't had a credit card with me, but need to make some make a payment, and I've had a had a device with me. So, anyway, I I don't hate uh, wearables, <laughs> um, but I don't think they're in a position to replace our smartphones. That, they haven't that, lived that, up. To, that's for sure. They, they certainly haven't lived up to their potential yet. Hmm. I mean, I, I love, I've, you know, as you know, I love my uh, my smartwatch. Uh, and that's one of, the, one of the great things about going back to Android is my Android Wear watches now are fully functional. They would work with the iPhone, but just to a very limited degree. Um, but, yeah. I'm expecting big things from wearables in whatever form Absolutely. they take. You know, that in, in the years ahead, we will need more than our smartphone yes. to be collecting data, to be feeding, you know, data uh, back on our behalf and measuring a, you know, a bunch of things. And, um, yeah, wearables will certainly be yep. uh, well, I mean, become I would, more I would, important over time. I would possibly even, not being, a, you know, a, a futurist, we've met a futurist at 40, but not, not being like someone like that, I would imagine that eventually one day our, our smartphones will have sort of evolved into several different wearable devices rather than have one phone and other things, you'll have them 
all over the place. I, you know, and I have something know. embedded into your brain oh, as well, yeah, David. Yeah, you look yeah, forward to those days, don't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it'll be great. Um, <laughs> now, uh, transport. We we were in uh, New Delhi with uh, with Ford, and so we heard from uh, some of the Ford folks, a bunch of guests. Um, yeah, there was a segment there presented by Ted. And the event was titled City of Tomorrow. Yes. And, look, there are, there are a lot of events happening around the world. Um, some of our listeners would, would have caught the uh, discussion with Jonathan Reichenthal, um, who, who lives and breathes the stuff. He's the CIO of the uh, uh, city of Palo Alto. Uh, caught up with him for, for a coffee uh, last time I was up there or a uh, brekkie um, a, f- a few well not the last time I was up there because that was two days ago um, but uh, but you know f- f- about f- yeah, a month or, or, or so back and he's sort of travelling all over going to these smart cities event he's at one in uh, Melbourne this month for uh, anyone listening from uh, from a, a city who's wanting to you know wonder how to keep their, uh, their city up to date with what's happening um, but yeah, Ford are really uh, are really helping to facilitate a lot of these discussions, yep. and there was just a huge amount of discussion around what the what a smart city will look like, and. There was a little bit of talk of some cities because we were in India. Some cities that were already down the track to a to a degree. But were there any particular things that jumped out at at you, Damien, around um, you know what what a smart city is or or will be in the in the future? Yeah, I mean it was it was interesting because I mean Ford for some time now have have sort of repeatedly said that they're no longer a car company; they're a mobility company, and they're all about just moving people. Um, whatever means that that takes. Of course, they're all into the car sharing and autonomous cars and all that sort of thing now. So it, it's... And they've been making a number of investments as absolutely, well as absolutely, all sorts of yep. research uh, yep. that, that, that's been going on. And in fact, um, you know, talking with their, with their futurist, uh, you know, we, I, I had the discussion with her around this thought, and this was what I talked about on, you know, on the New Zealand Tech Podcast, I think it was one of the early January shows, that thing that actually we all need to be futurists. We all need to be wearing that hat and looking forward and thinking about what does the future hold? How do we position ourselves appropriately? Yeah. We can't sit on our hands and sort of be, you know, just expecting things to stay, uh, the same because, you know, I think it's very clear, in the transport space and and you know all aspects, I think of of government uh, and cities that huge amount of changes Absolutely. is ahead, and we need to be navigating those things and yep. and finding the right uh, the right answers. Well, it's interesting you use the word navigating because that's going to be the big key, and that was sort of thing that came through in this is is that the transportation, the way we get around the cities of, of tomorrow, that's going to be the big the key to them and the big change that we're going to face. Um, this is the multi-mode concept I think we've, we've, we've yep. discussed in the past. First mile, last mile, all that well, sort of well, thing. Well, that was interesting <laughs> because we, we're used to hearing the term last mile in relation to telecommunications. Right. You know, yeah. look, we got a fibre optic that runs yes. all over the place, yeah, but yeah. it's that, 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 last, that last mile bit, getting yeah. to, yep. to, to somebody's premises, you know, business premises or a school or a home. You know, how do we do that last mile? Yeah. And, you know, in New Zealand, to a, to a pretty big degree, we're very fortunate uh, to have fibre optics, mm. um, you know, being that way that that happens, and hence we're not going to have to be relaying yeah. and te- tearing yep. it up again yeah. uh, any, any time soon because we're, 
we're we're now uh, we're now doing it right and in a, in a really smart way. Yeah. What it, what do they refer to when they talk about last mile from a, well, a transportation perspective? It's all around the idea of like the you know, first mile might be the car you actually own or a car sharing service or a automated car or something like that. Last mile, it's just all about like you'll. Probably the obvious example you'd use today is I might drive from my house to the ferry terminal in Birkenhead, catch the ferry across, train somewhere, and then there's that last bit to get to where I'm going, and that's that's actually the painful part right. at the moment. Yeah. Um, so that's where things like car sharing services, your um, Ubers, things like that, or what would most likely be the case, autonomous that that Type that sounds good because services. you know when we look at our motorways, uh, you know here in New Zealand and our you know our busiest roads, I mean they become a nightmare at rush hour, right? Yeah. Whereas if we could, you know, if we could have the bits at each end, and you know, I'm thinking various locations that I visit around the country, and you know, in, including uh, life here in uh, in Auckland, um, yeah, there are there are certain places where. Absolutely, just just that little last little mile, yep. but to link you up to a really good public transport yep. link, bus, train, uh, you know, maybe some some sort of variation. Uh, it might be, uh, you know, yesterday I was with 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 a group of people, and um, hey, yeah. Part of the ride was in a helicopter. That was pretty cool. Uh, that's prob- probably not going to be too common for, like, no, for, for, for too many people. But then we, you know, we jumped we jumped in a van, and yeah. I think you know nine or ten of us, uh, you know, were able to fit in in the van. Um, and so these things where you sort of join up different different modes, and you know, it might be you use a an e-cycle for part of your yeah, journey, absolutely. or it might be that it's your uh, autonomous. You know, ride sharing, Uber, Lyft, et cetera, type vehicle that takes you for a bit. Then you jump in into some sort of mode of transport that brings a few more people together. Mm. And, yeah, look, if we can lighten the load on those motorways, that's um, Nine times out of ten, if I decide to take my car instead of taking public transport somewhere, it'll be because of that that last mile, Mm. that Mm. bit getting between where the train or the bus will stop and where I want to go. Um and yes, I will admit I am extremely lazy, so that doesn't help. But <laughs> I don't think you'd be the only person in the, in the, in the universe that looks, am not. that looks for uh, an easy route when getting from A to B. Absolutely. And not just easy, it's time. It's, it's time. All these other factors, it's, it's the things that you've got to carry with you um, that play into it, yep. right? And I mean, it even comes down to the likes of, of talking about autonomous cars um, in the future. In the future, we're nearly there. We're almost there. In fact, it's happening now. That's right. um, you know, you'll pull up somewhere you want to go. The car can go and park itself, and that's that's going to make a, a much bigger change than I think a lot of people think. There is the possibility that we may see an increase in traffic because self-driving cars are just circulating around trying to find car parks. I don't know. There'll but be there'll be a transition. There will be a transition, and, and we'll gonna, figure those gonna be things all sorts out, of things that are that are yeah yeah interesting. Yeah. But Ford certainly, and it's really interesting coming from Ford, who one of the big three American car manufacturers, they've built everything uh, on that whole image of the car as you know a piece an important part of your life is your personal space all this and it's it's coming from them saying well you probably won't own the car in the future is so really one 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 thought i've had is and you you know this from from discussions we've had in the past you know i get uh hmm i i like to put a little bit of pressure on our automakers around 
the advancement of, of technology yep. and of you buy a vehicle today and it's got X technology in it in three months, six months, nine months, 12 months, whatever, technology Y comes out and there's no way to retrofit it. Yeah. I wonder if the rule in the future should be, and this is an extreme to prove the point, <laughs> that the only people that are allowed to own cars are the automakers. They would love that. So <laughs> imagine that you had to be an automaker to yeah. own a car in the future, yeah. but all the pressures are there on a competitive basis. Can you imagine that our automakers would work out a way to upgrade the vehicle that they just made three months ago or six months ago so it could compete with what the other guys are doing, that there'd be a software update to bring that new capability, that, oh, this new safety feature or requirement uh, for, uh, you know, autonomous vehicles would actually miraculously, they'd work out a way to roll that back in. That'd change the way they design cars, Oh, completely, because the whole whole car industry is built around the idea of planned obsolescence. They invented it. They they want you to be buying. They want a you new to buy a, a new car every couple of years, yeah. and that's the way you know. Since since Henry Ford first sort of rolled off the production line, well, Henry didn't roll off the production line. Rolled his first <laughs> car off the production line. It's all been about planned ops, and you yeah. certainly like Ford and the big three in America. They built their entire industry around that. Yeah, and so, although although we don't see too much of that from from Tesla, no, uh, well, Tesla because because they're new and just and yeah. building up their audience. Um, there's, there's going to come a point in not too you know, distant time when they'll be looking back at their existing fans that have brought previous vehicles and think, how can we sell more cars to them? How can we sell? That's where I, like, I find it actually fascinating, again, that Ford, of all the manufacturers, is completely embracing that total change of, of the entire industry, the entire way they'll do business. They even admitted, they said, yes, we'll build a lot less cars, but we'll be... You know, doing things in other areas that'll that'll take mm, that up. I mean, mm. I'm certain they wouldn't be doing it unless it meant they'll be making a lot more money as well, yeah, which yeah, is all they yeah, will yeah, be. Yeah. Um, well, there, there's a whole lot more we could talk about on is. on that on that subject. <laughs> um, and I I did uh, I did also ask them a question that I've discussed with a bunch of people. Not going to reveal the answer uh, today, um, but people should. And their question was well. We've got children, and we need we need a child seat in the vehicle. I don't want to be lugging that around with me. How do, how will that work in these sort of autonomous vehicles? Absolutely, um, and that's- but this is a discussion where I'm I'm collating a, a bunch of discussion around smart cities and this futures, um, and this will be part of an episode of my upcoming podcast, uh, which is called the Disruption Playbook. And we're talking to innovators and disruptors and getting the techniques that they've actually used within their organisations. Um, um, to make some smart moves and and you know develop the future as it were, uh, so that's coming up. So just a little bit of a, a heads up for for listeners on that one. Um, now a couple of other quick topics: uh, GoPro Hero Six uh, Black has uh, has just been announced and I think is is already available in uh, New Zealand. I'm hoping yes, to have a little I bit of a seen. play around with that one in the next few days. Mm. Um, so we'll we'll pick that up in a future episode. Um, oh, Damien, I did want to just ask you because when we were when we were um, we flew to flew to Singapore whenever it was you know, a couple less than a couple of weeks ago, something like that. Um, 
You told me you just got back from Singapore. I did, yes. And you've been up there at a tech event. I had. Um, or a sort of a tech-oriented sort of yes. thing uh, with Microsoft, and you were at the um, the F1. I was. Formula One. What, yes. What was all that about? What's well, going, that was, what's going that on was, there? What are Microsoft doing with What are Microsoft, Microsoft with the, doing with that? Exactly. What are Microsoft doing with Formula One? Well, Microsoft <laughs> have actually, uh, they're, in, they're in partnership, I suppose is the term, with uh, Renault Formula One team. And for, oh, since I think about 2012, Renault have used Microsoft products and, and sort of like their business side of things for all of that. Pretty but common in business. Pretty common, yeah, all that sort of stuff. But yep. they've, they've recently drastically expanded that um, into Microsoft's uh, cloud services. Okay. Um, and it's it, it was absolutely fascinating, actually, I have to say. I'm not, so I'm they're firing, a, my take, they're firing a lot of data into Microsoft Azure. Absolutely, yeah. They're collecting yep. massive, massive amounts, amounts of, of, data. of data, and this I gives mean, them sort of an unlimited... Absolutely. I mean, obviously, there's a cost to how much they store, but oh, yeah, they're, yeah. they're storing but I mean, truckloads it's, of data it's, up it's, in the cloud. Well, it's not so much the storing as, as the real-time sharing they can do with it. Yes. Because they're limited to, I can't remember the exact number, sort of 60 people. People, I think, at the track during a race weekend. Right. But with all of this data being collected from the cars, pushed to the cloud, they can go back, it can be shared with their, um, what do they call it, power unit. Right, so they have 60 the people, plant, 60 people that are at the track, 60 people at the track they've then got they hundreds. have gurus around the yep. world that are actually able so got to... two factories, one in France that does the engines, team. one in the UK that does all the other stuff. So all of their engineers can instantly have access to all of this real-time data. They can be making parts for the next race based off what they're collecting from the current race. Yep. Uh, and even things like simulations. Terms of running race simulations, they can now get to the point with the data they collect and and can share and process. Um, they can actually, because tyres are the hardest thing to simulate. They can map the tracks with, with everything and be utterly, you know, completely detailed there. But the tyre degradation and the way a particular driver wears on his tyres is just huge, you know, hugely complex. But they can actually do that now. They can feed in all the. What are they, 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 I believe they are they, they using sort of AI in, in yeah, the cloud yeah, to yeah, basically cloud, you know figure can, out what's going to happen yeah, in certain scenarios. Yeah, a certain, certain driver, specific driver, have, have specific track, patterns of use, specific tires, right. all of this. So they can put all those pieces together, and the AI can figure out yeah. how much tire they're going to yeah. utilize, and then and they can feed that back into the simulator. The driver can drive essentially drive the track and feel how his tires are going to wear. During yeah. the race or during the, the qualifying and just the, the, the sheer amount of, of data that they're pushing backwards and forwards is utterly staggering. Um, and even down to things like they, they track a part. Once they build a part, hmm. they can track it through its life. Yep, yep. And they're doing that with every single part in the car. Yep. Across the, the not just the weekend, the whole because some parts will last for yeah. a whole season, some a couple of races, some one race, some... Wow. Not even a whole race. So you can imagine, you know, this playing out not just on on the you know on the racing track, but actually, you know, right across the the audio industry. Oh, absolutely. Where we see oddities now that often don't get, you know, found yeah. out until later is like, oh, there's a big recall on yeah. you know X, Y, or yeah, Z. Yeah, they can. Um, yeah. And actually, in future, they should be able to figure that out. You know, y- using AI <laughs> yeah. to a, to a big degree in yeah. advance because they say, all right, well, putting all this data together. 
where would this car be after 10 years of usage? Yep. Oh, well, actually, it wouldn't have survived two years because this of, would have you know, part ABC. And and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, that's, that's really cool. Uh, well, that just about brings us to the end of this episode. Now, I should say uh, thank you to Process Street for sponsoring uh, this episode, as I have uh, been doing for the last uh, few weeks. And uh, look, just before we uh, before we started the episode, Damien, you and I were sort of talking <laughs> yes. around recording process and how, um, you know, one of the things we've been trying to do is really to nail down our podcast recording process so we get a real consistency regardless of, you know, who's sitting behind the desk and, yeah. you know, all, there's... I've got to say, there's a lot of variables that that come in because we live tend to live stream this on Facebook. Um, you know, there are various things that have to you have to get right, and you don't know who's going to be available um, to actually help that. And I kind of like just to waltz in, sit down, um, <laughs> chit chat for a bit, and then uh, disappear again. Yeah. And so, um, what Greg and uh, and our team sort of been working on is actually documenting that stuff up in Process Street, so it sort of just becomes you know. Go through the checklist, bing, 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 you know, check these things off. Um, we've now got a, a, a checklist that happens every day in the studio. So it doesn't matter who's coming in to use the studio. And a lot of people wander in and out uh, to record. You're, you know, oh, you're one of them, Damien. Um, push a few buttons, what does this do? Yeah, well, and it's certainly possible <laughs> that, you know, some people like to use a, a sound desk in a different way. And so they've played with different knobs. Yes. And, you know, there are varying other things. Oh, someone jumped on the PC and tweaked this or or that um so it's great now that we've got these checklists built up so just it's just another example of how we're we're using process street and these are things that evolve over time so something odd happens and we had a you know oddity (laughs) here um (laughs) earlier um well that can just actually go back into the checklist and we just oh this particular thing look out for that so it doesn't you know that's not going to happen uh happen again and so yeah, it's really good. Doesn't mean you get perfection, uh, you know, in sixty seconds flat. No, but it makes um, it easier to get close to it. Uh, yeah, you might not go zero to a hundred that quick, but um, <laughs> you know, but you get to a you get to a, you know yeah. close to a hundred percent over time. And you're building this sort of shared knowledge that becomes accessible across your organisation. So you're not just relying on. Um, the individuals that have spent a lot of time doing something, you actually share that knowledge with others and have them follow a process that that might yeah. have been your real experts in your organisation that built up the process. Absolutely, but then you can actually share it around with then a bunch of other agree. people, which is kind of nice. It is, it is, and I have to admit, I mean, I, I'm you know freelance journalist, I work from home, and but you showing me through it before, I was thinking. Could actually probably, um, yeah, seriously setting, thinking about setting up a, a free account there for myself and trying that out for a while because there are a number of things that I even do that could benefit from something like that because I have a absolutely awful memory. <laughs> so so anything you're, like that. So you're be. you're not perfect. <laughs> I can't believe you're admitting this, Damien. Far from it. This is this is not the Damien that I've seen sitting around uh, in in bars and other, in other locations uh, talking about himself. But uh, it's nice to see the transparency that comes out here on the on the podcast, Damien. Um, very nice. But you know, it's true. And and uh, you know, I I often uh, you know mention that. Uh, 
even uh, even brain surgeons have to have to follow checklists. <laughs> no matter how smart you are, uh, you know, if you don't have checklists for you know for Absolutely. really for really yeah. key things or things that need to be done uh, on a regular basis, it's probably quite likely something's going to get forgotten along the way. So this stuff is handy. Um, so those that are listening that want to try out uh, Process Street, I know there's a good uh, good chunk of you already um, that have that have jumped on board. Um, Try it out for free, and if you find that you want to go beyond what the free uh, version gives you, um, then by signing up through our link, you'll get a 10% uh, ongoing um, discount. And the link is nztechpodcast.com slash process street. All right, I think that is all for this week. Um, Certainly a bunch of interesting topics uh, coming up. Uh, next week and some great uh, great guests over the next few weeks um, I promise I'm going to try and stay in the country and we'll be back to a, a more normal <laughs> schedule um, for for October um, so it should be uh, very much uh, business as usual oh, and just one thing that has come up um, you know, some people have been saying look we love this idea of Process Street, we'd love to get on board with it uh, but kind of busy and sometimes it's hard to find the time to, to sharpen the axe as it were and to you know get these new tools rolled out um, so if you're in that position you would you know you would love some help with automating your processes and uh, and documenting processes and so on um, then you know feel free to to get in touch with me it is something that uh, my team at gorilla uh, technology uh, do and certainly have got a, a good amount of experience under their belt at um, so yeah feel feel free to uh, to get in touch now, Damien, where do people track you down online? Oh, obviously at Oversteer. Obviously at Oversteer NZ, yep. yep. Um, pretty much anything that, uh, any social media outlet, it is Oversteer NZ. Nice, nice. Well, Keep it nice and simple across everything. Well worth following, and I, and I know a good bunch of our listeners do listen into the um, New Zealand motoring uh, podcast. Is there a, we got an episode out this we week? We have got an episode coming out very shortly, yes. We okay. recorded it just, just a few days ago, so good. it should be hitting the streets very soon. Well, I'll be looking looking forward to hearing that. Mm. And who else was on that, uh, that episode? That, that was just my, my uh, constant partner in crime there, David Linklater. Excellent. Um, our, our other third regular Cameron officer is yet again out of the country so <laughs> not, not not too uncommon for you for, for you chaps um, I can hear somebody's ring doorbell <laughs> alert going off there um, but always a good listening listen and uh, yeah even when it's it's just uh, you and David there's always a pretty good chemistry and it's uh, it's pretty entertaining listen so um, yeah thoroughly, thoroughly recommend that and of course um, listeners that are that are wanting to keep up to date with the electric vehicle world uh, yeah we have fortnightly episodes of the New Zealand EV podcast coming out now, um, which I, I think it's about time to get you on an episode, actually, by the way. So uh, you know, I'll just publicly put that out okay, there, that there, that there is a, uh, a small expectation of that. Oh, I'm driving um, one at the moment, so there you go. That's All right, excellent. Hey, thank you, everybody, for uh, for taking the time to listen in to, uh, to the New Zealand Tech Podcast this week uh, and every week. Feel free to get in touch with me, uh, paul.spain at gorillatechnology.com. Uh, and Twitter and Facebook and always love hearing from people on uh, on LinkedIn as well. Uh, if you're connecting there, yeah, nice to have a little comment letting me know that uh, that you're a listener. Uh, but it's just been uh, it's been our privilege to uh, to share a little bit of your ears for the last uh, few <laughs> minutes or so. All right, see ya. Bye. The New Zealand Tech Podcast. 
brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.